Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Mike Meyer. He is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Touchstone BPO. Mike is a business veteran. He has had successful businesses previously and then set up Touchstone BPO over two decades ago now in response to the evolving business trends that he was seeing around him. Mike shares his vast experience of the outsourcing industry and what he sees as the moving the needle for business clients. We also talk about the needs of small and medium-sized businesses and how the outsourcing industry is evolving. So really good conversation with Mike, a lot of really valuable insights. I certainly enjoyed my conversation with him. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Mike Meyer, welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. It's great to talk with you today. Really, really excited about uh, talking with you and, and all your followers. Uh, but yeah, Touchstone is uh, kind of the the second chapter story of my life. Uh, we, we started it over 20 years ago, uh, and it's been quite the adventure to watch how outsourcing and, and business process um Offshoring has, has changed over the years. It's grown and developed into a, a very serious industry and one which, as far as I know, virtually all Fortune 500 companies outsource some of their work. And uh, what's exciting today is that small and mid-sized businesses are learning to get some of the same economic and skill set and risk mitigation advantages that the big guys have enjoyed for 20, 30 years. And uh, I think COVID, you know, one of the silver linings is that finally small and mid-sized companies learned how to manage resources remotely. 
when people had to work at home and their people were there, the business owners had to figure out how do we keep these businesses running and what they discovered is what works and, and what doesn't work in terms of, of remote workforce. But now if you can manage your workforce down the street, around the corner, why not around the world? If you can get skill sets at a fraction of the cost it would take to hire in in-house and i think companies are discovering that certain parts of their business it makes a lot of sense it really does doesn't it and and you know you've been in this game a long time now over two decades and i want to talk about your career just leading into this one but why you know we can come on to this but why do you think it has taken so long for smes small and medium-sized businesses to catch on and to to take advantage of the global employment when enterprise has been has been tapping into this for the last 30 years well i think all of us take great pride as entrepreneurs and business owners of of employing quality people and and having that relationship a lot of business owners consider their employees almost like a second family and to think about hiring people a world away that you don't have come in and share that coffee cup culture around the water cooler and being able to go to the 4th of July picnic. I think, I think it's a difficult concept and in some ways it's threatening. It's, it's, it's misinterpreted oftentimes to think, well, if, if they're going to outsource that function, then am I next? And they don't want to threaten their employees. They don't even want to think like that. And I think, um, you know, I think there's a parallel to manufacturing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. And um, when I was growing up as a child, made in Japan meant poor mm. quality. But by the time the, you know, I got Hondas and, and Yamahas began to replace the, the, the American motorcycles and British motorcycles. And, and then you started seeing Honda make cars and, and Toyota. And pretty soon you had Lexuses and you had, Japanese began to stand for a, a certain level of quality that was at the very top in certain categories. That took, that took 40, 50 years for that evolution to take place to recognize that, you know, quality technology, quality manufacturing and quality workforces really can be uh, anywhere in the world if, if they're developed and managed correctly. I think in the beginning, you know, we were just call centers and we were doing the very bottom rung task and, you know, we were bothering people's dinner and, and, you know, we had bad accents and, and it was frustrating and it was, there was a clear lower of quality of offshore resources compared to what people expected uh, and what they got. But over the last 20 years, I think what's happened is uh, offshore companies have learned to recruit and train talent to learn skill sets that in many ways, but let's just take the Philippines, they probably do customer service better than any country in the world, including the United States. Now, there may be some some centers in, in the United States that would take issue with that, but but I know that for a lot of call centers, that job in the United States is a throwaway job. It's a job you're not proud of, and it's mm -hmm. a job work at until you get your real job and and that lack of motivation that lack of, of of pride in the job and you compare that to 
Asia and the you know we we own centers in Pakistan, the Philippines, and 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 I would I would certainly put India in this category. There are people that can make a really good career and work at a call center for for five ten years and develop skills and be really really proud of the work they're doing. It's not a throwaway job; it's a career. And when you get that kind of commitment, and then you get the proper training, the proper technology, you put all that together, and suddenly it's possible to actually do things as well or better than you can do them domestically and still obviously at a fraction of the cost. We all know the number one reason anybody outsources offshore is cost savings, that 40 to 70% savings. If, if, if that's not there, you're probably not having a conversation. It's just not worth it to, to go to all the trouble. On the, on the other hand, there's other reasons. You can get specialized skill, you can mitigate risk. You can grow faster without deploying capital. And uh, that ability to grow and in, in a recession shrink without having to uh, spend as much money or as much time or, or even have the, the ugliness of having to lay off people. Those, that, that's, that's lowering risk, but, but there's always that cost savings. And then there's specialized skills we could offer. You, can, you might not need Python, React, programmers every day. So to be able to go out and get that specialized skill set at offshore rates, that's a real opportunity for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And it's that evolution, isn't it? You know, from uh, Japan doing very basic elementary manufacturing at the beginning. And also you see it, of course, with China doing very elementary manufacturing and it was derided across the world, but give them sort of 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 years and they are yeah. now out manufacturing the US both in terms of capability and also cost and they you know within only one or two generations they are now outperforming the people that that gave them those tasks and the same very much applies with the outsourcing industry doesn't it it started as you said with rudimentary basic high repetition tasks and then now it has evolved to to everything, as you say, like React developers and architects and accountants. And um, along with that, you have 30 years of executive talent and experience now that is, is able to guide businesses along these process journeys and right. optimize alongside them. Plus, you have obviously the cost savings, uh, which is fantastic, but then there's also the access to uh, talent that is in such sh shortage globally now. How have you seen, I mean, you got into the industry 20 years ago then, how have you seen it evolve in terms of the the go-to functions, the capacity, the skills of the industry, and also the requirements of the clients for the industry? Yeah, I, I think it's evolved a lot. And I think what you said, Derek, is is spot on to the, that evolution that's taken place in, in other sectors of our economy around the globe. I think it, it's very much applicable to our industry in terms of, of contact centers and BPO processing. I think it's become increasingly specialized. Um, the I don't think we can do everything. I think most companies need to to say hey we do this better than other people we do this fairly well and you know what we don't play in the, these arenas and and you've got to find the resources that really have the skill sets and the experience and the knowledge people want to work with experts uh, and uh, 
you know, you, it, it's kind of, you know, it when you see it, when you talk to somebody and they really understand your business almost instinctively. And pretty soon they're asking you questions and you're like, okay, this guy or gal really understands our business. They, they recognize our needs. Then, then you can tell the business owners will then begin to open up and say, Hey, here's what I'm really facing. Um, and, um, I, th- I think that requires uh, all of us to be honest about what we can do and, and figure out if we want to get into additional markets, we better invest in the people and the knowledge to, to get good at that or, or, or we're not adding any value. How have you seen the client side of the market evolve over the last two decades? It, it, for a long time now, there's been almost complete penetration of outsourcing amongst enterprise Fortune 500s. But it's, it's an absolute sort of no-go zone for SMEs. And now, as you said, you know, I think with the, the event of COVID and this remote work and people becoming aware that it's available, it's, it's now starting to take off. How have you seen, you're in Dallas, Texas. How do you see it on the ground, the general awareness of business owners of global employment? Well, I think in the U.S., it's, it, they recognize they're in, in a global economy. We've seen this with the supply chain disruptions. And, and, uh, but what we're facing right now is, is, is a little unique uh, in our lifetime in that there truly is a labor shortage. There's the, the great you know, resignation. There's the whatever, whatever you want to call it, a uh, quiet quitting, uh, but people not willing to come back to work and accept on their own terms. And I think that has created a, a golden moment for CEOs and business owners to say, wait a minute, what are my other options? I've got growing demand supply, uh, the customers that are demanding that I supply services and goods, how can I do that? And how do I address this labor crisis? And the conversation to say, well, have you considered outsourcing? Have you considered outsourcing offshore? I like to, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a, an author, but I like to think that there's, there's three types of CEOs that I run into uh, on a recurring basis, and, and you may recognize them, Derek, but mm. but one is that that dreamer, that disruptor. They want to transform their market. They want to turn their supply chain upside down, and to them, innovation matters. Uh, the second person is a sort of a dominator. They, they want to be number one. They want to win big. They want to win often. Comparative status matters. And, and the third is what I'll call an acquirer. They want to double revenue every year and triple profit. Uh, money matters. The first, the disruptor is more about mind share and reputation, and they're very collaborative. The second, this dominator is more competitive, compares more about market share ranking, and they're very, very competitive. And the third doesn't care as much about being number one or, or mind share, they care about market cap. So you got mind share, market share, market cap, and they're controlling. They want, they want to acquire a, a huge amount of wealth. They want to make money. So this idea of you got to know what a company needs, a disruptor may need a lot of technology that's transformational. They may need strategy and resources and organize them in a way that isn't traditional. Whereas the the grower needs uh, drivers of income. They need ideas. They need ways to scale quickly. And 
the the third this this acquirer they they want to maximize revenue and and profit and there's only two ways i know of derek to increase profit one is to increase margin and the other is it's i mean to cut expenses and 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 that's it so either you're growing revenue or you're cutting expenses and we at touchstone and 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 virtually all offshore companies that I know of, they can really provide both. We can provide ways to grow revenue and grow your business and scale faster, thereby increasing the top line, while at the same time saving 40 to 70% on labor costs really is a material opportunity to lower expenses. I, I oftentimes when I'm trying to get an appointment with a CEO that I'm, I'm confident that, that we would be a good fit for. And, you know, they don't, the last thing they want is another salesperson on the call. And, I, and I'll, I'll oftentimes just say, would you just pause and answer me one question? What phone call, Zoom meeting have you had in the last two weeks where somebody could really promise you to save 40 to 70% on something as important as payroll? Mm-hmm. How, many, how many chances did you have to do that? Wouldn't yeah. that be worth a 20-minute phone call? I'm telling you, I've been in business 30 years. I have a way to cut expenses 40 to 70% on your labor and maybe even improve quality and grow your company at the same time. That's our value proposition. And it, I think in the United States, that value proposition is uh, met with a, an openness today that, that I haven't seen in two decades. It is. It's profound, isn't it? You know, and, and it's so easy to dismiss saying something like save 50% on staffing costs, but typically staffing costs are the single biggest cost factor for many businesses, especially new age businesses where they have a lot of, you know, tech and build outs and professional services firms. It's, it's really, really significant. And if you can save 50% on the single biggest cost factor of a business, it is, it is putting them into a different league. And it's amazing how quickly people can dismiss it. They go, ah, you know, I've heard that, but I don't like the accents or I want them to sit next to me, you know, and it's like you're throwing away like the biggest opportunity in business to really, really move the needle. And it's not just about saving money. You know, I I sort of offer people two options. You can either save kind of 60% or you can triple your workforce for no extra cost. And, you know, just just try and envisage how you can out-compete your market, your competitors, if you could have triple the army compared to your competitors. It's so, so right. powerful. And, you know, I think it, it takes a, um, a recession or, you know, it takes really sort of a tough time for people to go, hey, maybe we should look at this. Maybe, you know, things aren't good forever and uh, tough times come and we need to look at the cost balances and maybe we should give this offshoring a go. It's uh, right. It's incredible it, how easily people overlook these things. It, you're exactly right. And I think another important thing that that people who have not outsourced before fail to recognize for a long time, and once they do recognize this, it it changes their openness. And that is, we're not asking companies or advising companies to outsource 
half their workforce, 70% of their workforce or all their workforce. That's not, that's not what the big companies do. And it's not what small and medium sized businesses should do. What you should do is look at all of your payroll expense and say, what part of these tasks could be effectively outsourced that might even improve our business and would free up my best trained people to do even more valuable things. So if you've got people, let's say you've got uh, a team that's, that's capable of closing small deals and big deals, and and you've got a, a a salesperson who's capable of, of closing, you know, a hundred thousand dollar or a million dollar deal, but they're over there working on $10,000 deals that, that aren't giving the full attention. Look, there's minnows, there's trout, and there's whales in that ocean. I want my best people working on the whales. So why not let us take care of the minnows and some of the trout we'll we'll harvest those and maximize and monetize those to the same degree that you're doing meanwhile we're freeing up your best people to go after the the really big stuff and and you can take that in accounting let us do the bookkeeping the accounts receivable the accounts payable and and the basics and let your smart smartest people work on on saving you a ton on taxes, on organizing the the accounting structure and, and figuring out how to get more efficient. Put your biggest brains on your biggest problems and your biggest opportunities, and why not lower the cost of, of a lot of the tasks? Now, we did this with a, a client 10 years ago in financial services in Virginia, and we started out with a team of about five agents, and we were doing pretty simple back office answering the phones, customer service, data entry. And then we got to know their business. We got involved and, and, and we started doing some little bit higher end of taxes. For the last two years, every summer, they, this year they brought their entire board of directors over. We're up to 39 people on this team after eight, nine years. We are now replacing doing the work of 75 to $125,000 employees. What we're doing now is executive level tasks with the people that have been on the count eight years. Now we're still doing the low end stuff, but the average savings of for a touchstone employee providing service to this financial services company has gone from about $10,000 an employee to about $60,000 employee because they're, they're still paying us. I mean, they're, they're, these are high quality people. I mean, we're paying them, you know, they're paying us twenty-five, thirty thousand $30,000 a seat uh, per year to, to replace a 75 to $125,000 job. But it, we couldn't get there overnight. It took years for us to learn their business and a lot of collaboration with them face to face. I mean, we would go to their office, they'd come over overseas, but, but it's amazing what you can do when you kind of take a, a long-term view of to say, what, what can we outsource and what should we never outsource? And, and I think companies misunderstand that and they go, Oh, you're only talking about outsourcing 10%, 20% of my staff tasks. Yes. That's usually how it works. And it, mm. it can work very well. And it's not disruptive to your current staff. Many times we're taking the part of those employees jobs that they really don't like doing anyway and freeing them up to do what they want to do and what they're best at. 
And I think, you know, decades ago, it was an outsourced process and it had to be delineated and all of the systems were clunky. But now, you know, in modern times, like everyone's talking across Slack, everyone's on Zoom and everyone's yeah. in Gmail and everyone's using, you know, Asana and all of these collaborative tools anyway. And now these people just work shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and they just integrate. You know, of course, when you bring anyone new into the team for the first couple of months, you're dealing with new people. But after that, they become the team. And then, you know, as you say, you start on lower grade issues, but then they climb the skill and capability ladder just as anyone else that knows uh, that's been working in a business, you know, after sort of three to six to nine months, they can start contributing on bigger issues and bigger problems and they understand the organization and it just kind of blossoms from there, doesn't it? And do you do you find, Mike, I find so often that, you know, you have vast knowledge and experience of business and also seeing inside dozens or hundreds of businesses and helping them improve their processes and their staffing issues um, yet many business owners look to offshore staffing as, you know, just take care of the simple tasks, just get the customer service done. Don't worry about anything complicated. Don't try and push stuff. How, how do you try and win the confidence of clients to say, look, we can do so much more than this and don't just treat me as a vendor of cheap staffing treat me as a business partner that can help transform your business. How do you cross that chasm with uh, clients? Well, I believe very deeply in, in these words, um, trust is painfully earned and easily lost. It's very easy to lose someone's trust and it's very difficult to earn it, but you can earn it. And oftentimes it's not with words, it's with demonstrations. I'll, I'll give you an example. We, we provide uh, travel reservation specialists for the largest uh, travel agency in Canada. And what we do is, is two tasks. We, we, we build itineraries and, and travel plans for uh, people that email in or send a message in saying I'm interested in a cruise or a Hawaiian vacation and we put together different itineraries in writing and submit that to the customers and follow up uh, and then we handle inbound phone calls so we handle uh, when somebody calls the travel agent and they want to talk to a, a, a travel reservation specialist we we handle some of that now they've got 250 travel reservation specialists travel agents on their payroll and we've got a small team of 10. So, I mean, it's not, again, it's just a small fraction of what they're doing, but but we believe that we could add more value. So we, we looked at that and I had a, a, I just said to the CEO, could we schedule a, a one hour brainstorming session? I've done a lot of thinking and research and looking at, at your business and I've got some ideas I'd like to bounce off of you and, and just see if we could do that. Now, earlier in my career before Touchstone, I owned an ad agency, Meyer and Johnson. And our big claim to fame was we created Travelocity for our then client, Saber. Travelocity was actually named at my desk. Wow. Uh, and and uh, we built Travelocity 1.0 and 2.0. And uh, we learned a lot of things about disrupting the, the travel industry. The very first travel reserve airplane ticket ever bought online was bought on Travelocity shortly after 
we launched it. So I, I was talking to the CEO of this Canadian travel company. And one of the ideas we had is that I said, look, you've got a website. We've done some of a, some work on your website on a project basis for you. That's not the main reason she hired us, but we got to see it. But I said, I got to see your traffic. I got an, I see what's going on in your travel agency. I said, you're getting a lot of traffic, people that are just window shopping. They're poising through. They're spending a couple minutes and they're moving on. I said, I think I've got an idea that we could we could put in not an auto bot, but why not the agents you're already paying for? Why don't we put two of them, three of them on live chat so that when this traffic is there, they can talk to or chat with a real human being. And uh, so... I went out, recommended it, and we installed it. We installed this live chat. We trained our agents. We didn't add one single agent to begin with. We just added a new service. And suddenly, she was getting brand new bookings mm. with not spending a dollar more on outsourcing, not a dollar more on payroll, not a dollar more on advertising. We simply showed her how to turn traffic she already had, anonymous traffic, into revenue. So now she's getting several trips booked a day, tens of thousands of dollars a month in new revenue that didn't cost her anything but a one-hour sandbox phone call. But you ask, you ask, how do you convince people to let you do more? You earn their trust. And that's an example of if you've got a good offshore partner that really gets involved in your business, learns it, and then they can add skills from their experience and their career to say, you know what? I've built travel traffic and billion-dollar websites before in this industry. I, I know a thing or two. Let me show you something that I think might help you. And the odds are I'm going to be right more than I'm wrong because it's my area of expertise. And I think that's what many, many business owners would love to have in their vendors is somebody who really cares about their business, thinks about it, and comes to the table with ideas and maybe can demonstrate it without asking for a check. Yeah, that's so powerful, isn't it? And gosh, I hope you uh, got a cut of the travelocity. Uh, well, it's what, you know, look, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want, Derek. The truth is at that time I cared more about retainers and we were working for yeah. an average wage of about $75 an hour. And I sure wish I'd have got paid in stock, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was Absolutely. a great experience. Terry Jones was the CEO. Uh, when travelocity went public, he was a senior VP at Sabre. When we started, he's, he's, one of the the true geniuses that I've met in my life, and he, he's extraordinary. He went into went on to co-found Kayak, and even today uh, I'm working with him a little bit. Uh, he's he's uh, on a board of a AI driven uh, company that that's doing some very very disruptive work. And, and that's the reality about business, actually, isn't it? You know, like real innovation and progress doesn't come from a business plan. It it comes from turning up every day. And then responding to the environment that you're in and, yeah. you know, testing a few things, tweaking a few things, trying a few things. And then out of that becomes a, you know, massive new business, business opportunity and um, dominant new business model for travel. It's it's very rarely it comes off of a business plan that everyone agrees to and then enacts. It's, it's kind of iteration on the job, isn't it? And I suppose that, you know, affirms as well the, the value of having capable people 
doing your functions, overseeing it, so that you're you're continually evolving. You're not just a robot carrying out a task. You're you're analyzing the value of each task and kind of tweaking the trajectory a little bit each time if needed. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's so powerful. And again, that's why it's so important to have partners, have partners instead of vendors. And, and you know, um, this is where outsourcing is so valuable again, isn't it? Because SMEs can now tap into this global outsourcing industry that's been around for 30 years, probably longer than, you know, individual companies themselves. And not only tap into the highly capable staffing, but then also the executive experience of those teams, of those businesses, of those business owners. Uh, it's an, it's such an incredible point of leverage for these for these SMEs, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is, and it's uh, and it's really exciting. And it's not to say that we don't, uh, you know, business owners, you know, we make mistakes and we uh, we do things, but the. The, the reality is you've got to continue to innovate. You've got to work hard. You've got to be research-based and you got to try things. And then, you know, you feed your winners and you cut your losers. But if you've got partners that are willing to work as hard and roll up their sleeves as you are, you're going to get to those winning decisions a lot faster. And, uh, and you're going to, you're going to cut off the losers a lot quicker. But I think having smart outsourcing partners uh, accelerates that learning curve and it does so uh, in a way that, that's more cost effective. And so we, it's been some of the, the real joys of my career have been working with business owners to try and, and grow their companies. And sometimes we got to do things that, that they haven't done before in order to achieve that. And, and when it works, mm. it's, uh, it's really satisfying for everybody at the table. So Touchstone, you've been going 20 years. You've got six call centers across Asia. What do you specialize in? What is your your you know, your core products, your core offers what? that you can add value for clients? Uh, we, we came out of the financial services industry. We had built a, a huge uh, company called Associates First Capital that was on the New York Stock Exchange, got acquired by uh, Citibank. And so for the first eight, nine years, we did nothing but financial services, primarily in the mortgage industry. And then in 2008, 2009, the mortgage market crashed and we got a painful lesson in concentration and recognized that we shouldn't just be in one industry. So we got, we, we diversified, we got uh, real good at call analytics where we we're helping uh, companies uh, listen to what's going on in their marketing and in their calls. And we analyze those uh, conversations and, and provide uh, real insights in, into what can be done. We, we're real good at, at, at B2B lead gen. We're, we're, we're uh, good in the travel industry. We're good at um, omni-channel customer service and, and, uh, and, you know, we're, we're really good at sales. It's uh, um, you know, what I would say, if, if the Philippines is best in the world at customer service, they're, they're really kind of gentle, kind culture, and they, they, they're empathetic, and there's a, a real desire to, to help people, and, and I think it, it, it fits that they would be so good at customer service. Uh, I would say we've got several centers in Pakistan, including our PCI certified facility, they're really good at negotiation. They're smart and they are analytical and uh, they're, they, 
anybody that's good at negotiation is is just instinctively good at overcoming objections. And so the ability to do high level B2B sales, we're calling in at C-level executives and having conversations or or doing uh, things with negotiation for buying on behalf of companies, uh, selling. And just just for instance, a travel reservation, uh, you know, working through all the choices, but also guiding that customer to actually make a decision and and buy something. I, I think that they're they're probably extraordinarily good at that at some of our facilities in Pakistan. Now, if you're looking for enterprise level software development, I'd be in India and I'd have a, a, a I don't a company or a, a piece of a company that is is got real complex. Uh, software developers, and and I think they're they're the best in the world at that. So I think you got to look at your business if you're thinking about outsourcing, and saying what skill sets do I need, and where would be perhaps the the optimal best place to source that business. And and uh, I think at Touchstone you can talk to somebody like me that that can give you a range of options. And and uh, and at the same time, I mean, I talk I talked to a customer the other day and they really needed bilingual Spanish and English. And I said, you know what? We're really not the right fit for that. I said, Asia doesn't do Spanish that well. We've got some people that can speak Spanish, but in reality, I, I advise them that a near shore in the Caribbeans or even Panama would probably be where I would go. And, and I even helped them out uh, to say, here, here's a company you might consider. And, uh, but I do think right, right shoring is as important as offshoring and offshore should be a part of that mix, but it doesn't mean it can do everything. Yeah. It's so, it's such a global perspective now, isn't it? it it's just so, so powerful. You know, you, you sort of dip into Caribbean for Spanish speaking and nearshoring and you go to India for devs and you can tap into yeah. Eastern Europe for other skills. It's, it really is becoming a global uh, sort of, supply now of different skills and and different capabilities do you see you know there's a lot of not wanting to get too political of course but there's a lot of talk recently about the sort of the upset of globalization and everyone needing to uh build out their own domestic capabilities once again globalization is all over and international cooperation is finished where do you see all of that? You know, is is that a reality? Do you think is it even possible now that uh, the US can start making its own micro- microprocessors and chips and iPhones anymore? How do you see all of this playing out over the next? Well, I, uh, couple I, I of decades? think that 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 nationalism is in every nation in the world. Everybody that's a, a patriot of their country wants to see their own country do well. They want their GDP to rise. They want their people employed. They want them to be prosperous. That's that's human nature. That's political nature. And there is always a certain amount of xenophobia or fear of of other cultures and unknown and, oh, they're not like me. And and those those forces of human nature are always at work at the same time. You can go back before Christopher, Christopher Columbus was was looking for a new path to India and trying to bring spices back from the New World to 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 Europe to recognize we also have an appetite for global items, whether that's that's goods that are manufactured, whether that's uh, I mean. 
I think for most people, when they travel, one of their favorite things is to eat food that's different than the food they ate at home. And it's, it's part of being a, a human and a, a citizen of the planet to say, you know what, I'm not that afraid of going out and taking a vacation, building a relationship, trying some new food. And I think we all have an appetite to get the best of things from around the world. And I don't think the labor market and the business market is immune to that. So I, I think the key is to do something and do it really, really well. And then tell the world that you're there. Here's what we offer. And, and quality will find a market. And uh, I think we all do what we can do best. We go out there and we offer it. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. And yeah, the politics, you know, some countries will get a, a little closed door and open door and that the politics will go conservative and liberal and up and down. But the arc of history will connect the world more. Look at technology. I mean, we're, we're having a podcast right now. Uh, you and I both had Zoom meetings today when we were talking to people all the way, uh, all around the world. And this technology that we have in our hands today, from that mobile phone in your pocket to that laptop on your desk, it's enabling us to connect, to be productive and be pro profitable in ways that simply weren't possible even a decade ago. So I'm excited about using technology to connect people, resources and quality in a way that, that makes our business better and makes our world better. And uh, call me a, a, an optimist, but I've, I've traveled all around the world. I've met people and, and I think we have more in common than we don't. It's incredible, isn't it? And I think, you know, you mentioned the technology there and we saw this technology transition. But for the younger generations, the, the Gen Zs, they're growing up in a global environment and they're growing up with all these tools as native and they're in chat forums and they're, they're seeking influence from things like YouTube and Netflix, which are truly international. It's right. really going to be an incredible world over the next, once those people grow up to be the CEOs and the change makers, uh, it's it's really going to be a completely internationalized paradigm, I think, isn't it? And certainly something that's very exciting. Well, I know you and I are both both part of the drivers of this industry, and we're trying to we're trying to make that that a reality. And and it's exciting to do, and it's work that that I know we're both very proud of. So, my incredible conversation, and and you know, like always, I encourage people to pick up the phone and have a similar conversation and see how their business can benefit from global employment. Um, how would you recommend people learn more about Touchstone or get in touch and uh, for to carry on the conversation for their own interests? Sure. I mean, anybody can go to our website at touchstonebpo.com. If they click on the connect and info, that, that's an email that will come straight to my desk. Uh, they're welcome to email me directly at mmeyer at touchstonebpo.com. Uh, candidly, you can call me on my cell phone, 972-342-7747. I'm, I'm not hard to find. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, I can be interesting to talk with, and I'd love to learn about, about your listeners' businesses and, and uh, challenges and opportunities they're facing because uh, that's, that's the fun part of it is, is meeting people and seeing what we can work on together. Again, it's just such a value proposition for people, isn't it? And if people are still hesitant about outsourcing, just get on the phone and see how it can transform your business and see that the savings are real and see that the opportunities for sourcing incredible talent is is so very real. It's uh, just an absolute 
game changer. Mike, thank you so much. You too, Derek. Thanks so much for inviting me on, on the program. And it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you. That is Mike Meyer. He is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Touchstone BPO. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.